Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Cattleman You podcast, which is a podcast for cattlemen, by cattlemen. We are so excited to have Doug with us. Doug, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. Absolutely. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background on your story and your operation for our listeners? Gotcha. Uh, My name's Doug Bean. I grew up in uh, Northwest Kansas, a farmer. My dad farms out there. He also cuts hair because he's got to support his farming habit. So I grew up on a sheep ranch. My family, you know, they run crops, they run sheep, they run dairy cattle, uh, beef cattle, I'm a big supporter of the FFA. I was an officer a long, long time ago. I loved it. It was, it was a great introduction and leadership for me. I love that part of it. Ultimately, I'm the ranch nerd, and, and I love that role. I knew a long time ago that I was no Boots O'Neill. I wasn't going to be out there punching cows in my 80s. That just wasn't something that, that I, I really aspired to be. Um, I actually went to school to become a, a school librarian, and I did that for a lot of years. So the organization piece and the technology piece, all that kind of stuff came pretty easy to me. So I really enjoyed that. But as pretty much everybody knows, if farming is, is in your blood, it's hard to get away from. And you don't really want to get away from it. It's, you're proud of who you are and you're proud of your family and, and you're proud of, of what you provide for, uh, for your area and ultimately for America. As my kids got older, you know, working in the school, I had summers off, so I spent a lot of time with my kids. But as they as they aged and they they grew up, uh, they needed me less. And then they're like, Dad, we have cars. We'll see you later. And then I was like sitting at home alone, bored. And Jose and Art were like, hey, we need this and this and this. Can you do that for us? And I'm like, absolutely. I would love to do that. So it kind of started as a summer hustle, hopping back into the uh, farming and ranching world. Um, but I'm super glad they asked and, and I've loved it and, uh, and I've since turned it into my full-time gig. So it's, uh, I, I'm super excited to be back into it full-time and just uh, being part of the, the agricultural world again. Well, that's very exciting. And I saw that a couple of your kids are wildcats. They are, yeah. I, I, my wife and I met in Manhattan, Kansas, you know, so that's a, that's a special place for us. So they have uh, that is a, it's a great college, not, you know, not to start any kind of you know, like a uh, college war or anything, but, uh, but, but we love it. Uh, my kids love it. My oldest boy is there right now. Um, computer science major. Uh, he loves that kind of stuff. One of his roommates is an agriculture economics major. And so they spend a lot of time uh, talking about those sort of things and how those two worlds collide and, and are just going to continue to collide more and more until they're, they're seamlessly one thing. So uh, my daughter, my youngest, going to be a senior next year. She's looking at, at Kansas State as well. So she's going to uh, to head out there and, and she's looking at agriculture economics as well. So I'm pretty, I'm proud of those kids. Uh, my middle boy is, he's into industrial automation and wind technology. So he's he's doing wind farming. So that's that's pretty exciting too. So we're, we're proud of those kids. I mean, I, I could brag and brag and brag about them like most parents can. 
I, I'm also excited about the the possibility of empty nest here, you know, in like another 12 months, but also that's kind of terrifying. What am I going to do with all my extra time? I have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Manhattan holds definitely a sacred spot in my heart and a couple of my team members' hearts. I actually started my college education off at Kansas State and was a wildcat for a while. And then my dad was presented with an opportunity to buy an operation and said to me, you're not forced to come home, but if you want to be involved on the weekends, here's your opportunity. And so I moved back home, but lots of nights spent in Kansas. We have lots of customers in Kansas. And we actually just had our K-Rose company retreat in Manhattan, Kansas in May. So nice. we have lots of roots in that town. And we definitely, after I went to a Wildcat football game, and then I tried to go to a Montana State football game. It was de- it was night and day difference. And I, you know, I didn't Definitely. grow up with college sports because my father's a cattle buyer. And so, I mean, especially football, but Saturdays in the fall, we bought cattle. And so, you know, going to a Bobcats game was out of the question growing up. And then I, I got to K-State and I went to a couple of football games and then I came home to MSU and completely different situation. And I, I kind of miss those football games on in Kansas that we had there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Saturdays in Manhattan are pretty wild. It's pretty fun when all the alumni pour into town and make a lot of noise and, you know, they all reminisce and remember the good old days. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some technology that you guys have been implementing in your practice and some of that organization that you brought to the table. Walk me through a few things that you guys have tried some things you've implemented, and then show me a little bit into the future. Where do you think some of this ag technology is headed? Part of it is we're just looking to streamline the systems. So one of the first things we got that that we love, and, and we did a lot of research um, into picking uh, what shoot we wanted. You know, a lot of them have different bells and whistles, and they they work for different size cattle operations. We're not we're under a hundred, so our needs are very different than an operation that is like over a thousand. They have they have very different industrial needs that that we don't have, and oftentimes the tools that that work for that are way overpowered for what we need and they often they uh, they slow us down so the first thing we did was uh you know we were looking for a way to be more efficient with the cattle just in the yard and so uh, long story short we ended up with the aeroquip shoot it calmed our cattle down a lot it, it, it moves them well um it's it doesn't seem like a huge deal but anybody that's worked cattle knows that if, if the cattle gets spooked, it just makes the day that much longer. And, and the the we went with the QCatch 86 and just the just making that switch, it, it just made that whole operation run a lot smoother and made us more efficient and, and ultimately made us more effective. So from there, we've been adding things to that shoot. Um, and there's again, there's a zillion different things you can add to that. We went with the true test load bars. Because as long as we've got them in there, we want to weigh them easy. And that system just drops right into that chute so easily. Um, It was like, I think it was four bolts. And then I was just plugging stuff in after that. So I dropped that in there. We hooked up uh, like the easy way 7i. That's not the biggest of the uh, of the way systems, and it's also not the smallest. It's, it's kind of like 
like the mid-range. It's almost like it's not the Pinto, but it's not the Cadillac. It's like a solid Buick. You know, you're not going to go wrong with a good Buick. Uh, that reads right to that system. And that system then will run right to the app, which is uh, on my phone, or I can run it right to my laptop when I'm out there. The guys can just do what they need to do. So they're out there, you know, giving the cattle the things that they need, giving the shots that they need. Um, we're getting those weights in. Uh, and then I can pull the data off of, off of that. And once it's into uh, the true test app, then from there, I push that information into CattleMax. And then from CattleMax, I can push that stuff uh, into the Angus website. So what we've done is basically streamline that process and modernize that process from, hey, we've got the ledger out or we've got this notebook out, we're writing all the information in there. Kind of like what, what we all grew up doing. You know, dad's like, write down this tag number and write down this weight. And you hope it's all right and you hope it doesn't get messed up. But this is streamlining that. It's, it's making it more easily accessible because that notebook then goes into the truck and sometimes it's days before it gets to the office and so this prevents all of that. It just kind of cuts out that, that time in between and it cuts out that the potential loss of information. Um, it, it cuts out the potential of somebody spilling coffee all over the ledger and being like, oh my goodness, we're going to have to go do this all over again. That's kind of what we're doing right now. It's a growing process. Um, we're really going to put it to the solid test in October. That's when we're, we're running everything through. Um, we're also going to re-tag the cattle. Uh, and put on the RFID tags from Allflex. And so what that will do, that will allow us to put the antenna right on uh, the QCatch and then pull that information in automatically. So we'll be able to know which cow is in there. That information will read to the way station uh, and then that'll go to the app and the app will go to, the, go to CattleMax and CattleMax will go to Angus. So it's all about just adding the pieces that we need and then... Uh, making sure that those all talk to each other. On paper, it looks really simple. Getting it all to work is also simple as a relative term when you're when you're talking about that level of technology. But if they're all talking, and once you get them all talking, I imagine the first few are going to be like, "Oh, that you know, that, there's a hiccup. Let's stop. Let's figure that out. Let's you know, put this piece in here. Let's try this." That's kind of where we're at. It's just adding in those pieces, seeing what works. And we know what we want and we know where we want to go. And now we're just taking the steps to get there with the technology. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it? Technology is just fascinating to me. And I think oftentimes in agriculture, it seems the perception can be that we are behind the times on technology, but we have used a lot of the similar programs to you. And oftentimes when I'm sitting down with my grandpa, who I'm the third generation, so my niece and nephew will be the fourth. And I'll mention something about, oh, well, you know, I can just watch that online or I can just pull it up right here on my phone. The look on his face, just about how much smarter we've gotten in our work versus working harder. And I think that in agriculture, it's easy to think that if we're not working harder, we're not improving the operation. And that is a myth that I think we need to break. We need to end right now. Not everything has to be backbreaking. We have these tools and this is what's really going to propel the operations in the future. A hundred percent. I agree with that. You know, and, and, and you know, as, as well as everybody else listening that we're not afraid to work hard. The, the opportunity that we have with technology 
uh, allows us to work smarter and harder and then be more efficient, which ultimately affects the bottom line. I mean, we're, we're making more money uh, to put back in the operation and to take care of our families. And so that working smarter and harder piece is, is huge. And so anything we can add in to make that happen, uh, even if the learning curve is super steep, I think it's absolutely worth it. And that's one of the things I appreciate about, about Arthur and Jose uh, at Nolan Cattle is, is they are forward focused. They're, they're always impressing on me. Hey, let's, let's see what's on the horizon. What's going to be best? What's going to make us more efficient? What's going to make us more uh, effective? And, and so we're always looking at those things, but we're also looking at that, that ROI. We're looking at that return on investment. So if we lay out the funds for this technology, how many months, years, cattle is it going to take to, to make that technology worth it? How many is it going to take to where it's actually more cost effective than it is just writing it in a notebook and then transferring it over later? So I think it's good to always keep in mind that return on investment because that's all that's going to be different for every operation. For, for some, it's going to be one year. They're going to make that money back right away. And for others, smaller operations, it, it could be a five-year turnaround. So, but we always try to keep in mind how much uh, are we going to make or how much faster can we do this operation? How much more can we streamline it so that we can turn that into dollars and cents? One thing I think when we're utilizing technology that we forget to think about is the costs that are no longer there because of the implementation of technology, particularly labor. Absolutely. That is that is true. And and that's not to say we're we're cutting uh cowboys. It's oftentimes we're cutting them loose from that job to go do something else because there's always something to do on a ranch. I mean, there's always something that needs fixed. There's a, a fence that needs mended. There's, you know, this piece of equipment needs repaired. It's, you know, just being more efficient in, in every area. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes we we need to dive into those numbers a little deeper. We were just actually at a seminar for Cattleman U or Cattleman U Live. The guy who spoke on ranching for profit, he talked about really breaking down those numbers. And the easiest way that we do it in our company and then on our operation is, well, how many steers does that cost or how many steers does that save? And we actually just turn it like right into market value because if I say that decision is going to cost us two steers, it's so much easier for people to visualize what that actually looks like, two steers going across the scale versus saying 18, 1900. But when they can see the numbers and what that is applied to, I think all of a sudden it becomes real, but it also becomes easier to digest in a sense. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. That's awesome. Have you taken a deep dive into what it takes to run a kettle operation like a business? Can you feel lost when it comes to financial terminology and understanding the kettle market? Well, you're not alone. Kettleman U has created the Kettleman U Profit Finder focused on understanding your operation as business. This six-part series will give you access to speakers like Shaley Stewart that help you gain confidence in all things business and markets. Join the waitlist today at kettlemanulive.com slash profit finder. What is something that you guys have either attempted 
to implement or are looking at implementing that has been more of a challenge than you thought it would be? When we were looking at the shoot and we were looking at the weighing system and looking at all those pieces and, and, and trying to piecemeal it all together and figure it out and, and figure out which system is going to work best for us. I looked at for quite a while and I still follow this, this company. It's called Clickerweight and it's a scaleless weighing system, which as, as nerdy as I am, I mean, that piqued my interest to no end. I was like, oh my gosh, that is amazing technology. So when a cattle when a cow comes up to to drink water out of a tank, this technology is taking hundreds of pictures of this cow and is comparing the data to like just even yesterday or a few hours ago, and it's figuring out the weight on the fly. It's super amazing technology. These folks are from Florida, and I think originally this was for like gator farming. Um, so it, it's they have a very interesting story. And while I still follow them, that's not something that was going to work for us because of our location. So I, I think like a lot of folks, we are in a place where cell phone service is uh, not great, which is kind of nice also. You know, there's like, oh, I got to get out of the office. I got to, you know, get up to the yard and, and you know, go go do some stuff. And it's nice just to get away. But the other part of that is there's, there's not the internet access up there. And so a system like clicker uh, weight, didn't, it wasn't going to work for us because it, it would attack the system that we have up there. So we have we have internet that kind of bounces from local satellite to local satellite. That's all like ground sort of stuff. Uh, and it, it would have just overweighed that system and it never would have worked quite right for us. So that was one that, that I had to let go of. I was very excited about it. And I think everybody was like, oh, that's really cool. That's, that's amazing technology, but it, it wasn't right for us. Uh, just because of our location. So I think if, you know, folks had access to, uh, you know, to better internet, they'd be able to use a system like that. We're, so we're already signed up for Starlink. So when that all comes up, uh, that could open up some more opportunities to us. But right now, we are limited with some of the technology based on uh, the internet availability that we have. There's going to be some things that we have to do and just save in an app and then come down. And once we, we get back in a cell range, then that all uploads to the right place. So, but it's holding it all for you. The same thing with like, uh, like Herd Dog. I've been following Herd Dog for, for a couple of years now. Their technology, I think, is super impressive. It's kind of the same thing. I would, I would love to be able to like get cattle temperature without having to put them in a headlock. That would be wonderful. I think that'd be so much more efficient than getting them all in the corral and running them through the chute and, and, and doing all that. But again, it's just not at a, at a place where we can use it effectively. Whereas I think other places, they can probably look at, at technology like that and go, oh, we can utilize that right now. Those are two big ones that that come to mind. Uh, I also follow the performance beef feeding system, um, and it's kind of the same thing. I, I would love to get there, and we may get there once we uh, we get this first part all figured out. It's it's almost like right now we're, we've got two twenty pushing, you know, kind of out of a one ten outlet. So we've got to slow down and make sure we're making the right decisions for us, and not just. Uh, jumping on every technology bandwagon that there is, because like we kind of talked about earlier. Not all technology is made for every ranch. Um, some technology is it's targeted for large, large ranches or ranches that are spread out over over multiple states and multiple pastures and all those kinds of things. Or, or it's targeted, 
poor to a feedlot, and that's not who we are. So uh, we have to make sure we're choosing things that are scaled appropriately. And I, I think that's not necessarily a hard part, but it's definitely, it, it can be time consuming to, you know, to dig into it um, and be like, okay, this is, this is exactly what we need. Or you look at something that's made for like a feedlot and you're like, that's too big for us. But can we scale that down? Can we talk to that company and say, do you have a different option or approach that's going to work for us? There's a lot of amazing stuff out there, but making sure we pare it down and making sure uh, it works for who we are and who you are, I think is probably the most important part. And then not getting sucked into every new and exciting thing, which happens at every trade show. I see stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's shiny and I love it and I need that. And you know, then we have to talk about, you know, is that something that we really need or, is, or do we just want that? I saw a quote on Facebook. It might've even been this morning. And it said, use the data you're given before you hunt for new data. And hearing you talk about all of this just reminds me that I think you can get too much technology before you're able to process the actual data that you're getting from your technology now. So if you're using you know, a software, make sure you know how to use the software to the best of its ability, because chances are, if you think you need another software, you're either in the wrong software or you haven't, you know, figured out what your software can do completely. But I just saw that quote and I thought it was really interesting because I do think we have so much data in all of our life, right? I mean, it tracks every moment of our life, it feels like, yes. but we're not using all of the data that we're given responsibly. And even, I mean, sometimes we just simply overlook it, but then we're chasing after other data before we can even consume and digest the data we're given. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The Cattle Max, it can be a big program. It's really robust. I, I appreciate all the classes that Jimmy puts on because he breaks that down really well. Uh, he's so down to earth. And, and it's good to go back to those beginning level classes sometimes and go, oh, I forgot about that function. Um, we need to be utilizing that. So you're, you're 100% right. You know, we, we need to remember why we got that technology to begin with and just digging in and like like everything. I mean, they're adding all the time and they're, you know, they're streamlining their processes and they're trying to make it easier for the end user. And so, we you know, we have to stay on top of that and make sure we're utilizing what we already bought to the fullest ability that that it has. And they want us to do that. Like Cattle Max and, and Allflex, they want their technology to work for us. They're not just throwing it out there being like, hey, here's a product. And then they move on to the next thing. They they want those things to work. And, and it seems like they really stand behind them. Uh, they want to be successful. And, it, and it's they have some humble success. I mean, they kind of they kind of understand uh, when cattlemen are successful, they're successful. And I always appreciate that with companies. And that's kind of one of the things we look for is that humility, making sure that, that folks understand um, who we are and, and that they understand who they are. I mean, we've all dealt with salespeople. We know who they are pretty quick. So I think it's good for us to slow down and look at that a little bit to make sure we're doing business uh, with people that want us to be successful. There's nothing that makes me happier than when a sales rep says, oh, this is not the right program for you. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you know that they're confident enough in whatever they're selling to know that you're not my target market. I will help you find what you need, but yep. this product, 
X, Y, and Z that I'm selling you today is not it. I think that's what makes the best sales reps. They're humble. They're honest. You very rarely see it because part of your job is to make the sale. But when someone says that, or when someone says, you don't actually need the plus package, you just need the regular package. All of those things make me want to work with them. Even if they tell me this program's not quite right for you, I almost want to flex enough to make it work because I admire that they know who they're trying to serve and exactly what that person looks like. And I think that is a lost art in some sense. Absolutely. It is. It is refreshing when people are honest and, and they, they, they want what's best for you. And, and I think they 100%. understand that when they do that, they're going to, they, they get that repeat business because, you know, they've, they've romanced us a little bit. We're like, oh, they love us. All right. I'm going to stick around. Absolutely. Tell me a little, just to put all this technology in, in kind of context, what is your guys' in product that, how do you sell? Do you sell cattle right off the cows? Tell me kind of what your in product is at Nolan Branch. Um, seed stock is, is the ultimate goal. And so when we're using that technology, we're not always looking to grow like the biggest bull, you know, we're, we're looking for the bull that's going to throw big calves. They come out small and they grow fast. I mean, that's really the goal is we want to provide uh, seed stock that is, is going to meet the needs of the ranchers that are around us. If that means this technology tells us that, Hey, this cow and this bull are not right, even though we may love them, you know, just because, I mean, you've been around cattle and, and sometimes you have ones that you're like, I like working with those cattle. They're great to work with. I like working with that bull. He's great to work with. What the technology does is it gives us the data to make those decisions that pulls the emotion out of it and, and says, hey, this one is providing exactly what you need. We need more of this. And so this is the one we're going to keep. And this is the one we're going to get rid of. When, when we're looking at that data, it, it takes out that piece of, oh man, we had his sire and, and, and we had, this is the lineage. And, and sometimes we get attached to those lineages of, of stock and we have to step back and go, the data tells us this is the direction we need to go. And that's what this data does for us is it help guides our business. One of the coolest stats, I think, in the seed stock world is a bull you use this spring, his genetics remain in your herd until 2046. 2046. Holy cow. And it is crazy to me to think about that, right? Well, it's hard for me to even think about what 25 years looks like. And that's what that is, is 25 years, they say, is when they start to see that, whether it be daughters, granddaughters, those genetics completely leave the herd. The other thing that I think is so important here is we can make those decisions better if we know the bull that we're buying. And if we know all of this, all of these data points. And I think that EPDs have done that. We've done a lot of EPDs, but we've started to learn EPDs have two sides of the story. They're estimated. And on yearling bulls, EPDs are really challenging. And so any data that we can get that's hard data, right, their actual birth weight, their actual weaning weight, their actual yearling weight, their conversion, all of this, the fertility, all of that 
just helps us make a decision that's going to impact our herd for 25 years, which for most of us will be the next generation. Yeah. And the data really takes away the EPD gamble. You're like, hey, this is what it should be. And so when you have that data to to either back that up, you're like, see, I told you it was going to be awesome. Uh, And then when it's not, you're like, hey, this line is not producing like we thought it should. And so that's where that data is so important. It's hard for me oftentimes, and I'm sure I'm just like everyone else, but it's hard for me to see a bull and then think of all of its offspring and think really about that nurture versus nature side, right? Uh And where those EPDs came into role. And so anytime we're talking about nurture versus nature and, you know, how stock is raised and the bull and who we're going to AI to and all of this, we actually turn and look at my siblings and I. So (laughs) I have two brothers and my dad always says, just think about the difference between you and your siblings, the similarities and the differences. Yeah. And what we wish we could have picked and what we wish, you know, it would have skipped. And he says, when you breed a bull to your cows, it's going to turn out the exact same as your siblings. You get some traits in all three that you like, some traits in all three you don't like, and then you're going to see some traits show up in one of them that don't show up in any of the other ones. And that's part of the risk of nurture versus nature and the cool aspect of genetics. Very much. I love it. And so where do you think that we're going to go with this technology game in the seed stock world, right? So they just came out with a foot score. I mean, they're always working on improving the numbers. I've had a conversation recently, and it's going to show up on the podcast where I actually think we've missed the mark on the birth weight in the Cavanese EPD. And Mm -hmm. we have some major concerns for what that's doing in the industry. But Where do you think data-wise we're headed in raising some of these seed stocks, some of these bulls that are going to impact people's herds for 20, 25 years? I think we need to stop and think about the art and the practice of raising cattle. The data and the EPDs, all that stuff is is great. You you touched on it with uh, the nature versus nurture piece. I think it's really figuring out what each individual ranch needs, uh, and then using those EPDs to, to provide the best possible product. Because like with ours, we, our name is on that. We want to provide the very best to the people that purchase from us. So we want to, we want them to leave with the idea that, Hey, this is, uh, what we want. They're on our side. They're rooting for us. It's the same thing with, with the sales pitch. Uh, We want them to know that they're leaving with the best that we have to offer for what they require. I think as far as technology and EPDs, I think it's going to continue to get more refined. I think it's going to continue to uh, get to a point where we can pinpoint exactly what we need. We need bigger cows. And so we can make that happen faster with technology. Things that would have taken years before are are now down to just a handful of years as opposed to like a decade. So things that that we're looking at like 25 years out, um, I think are going to happen a lot faster because of technology, because we're going to have that data a lot quicker than our fathers and grandfathers uh, and their families had. So um, they were just really looking at, at wean weights 
and things like that and, and cut weights and they're going, this is the, the bull and cow combination that, that does this. Um, and now we're going to really be able to replicate that. And uh, data is great, but we need to be able to, to replicate the product. And that's really what technology allows us to do is that quicker product replication. So not to you know make it too science fiction sounding, but that's that's kind of what we're after. We want we want calves that are amazing, and we want lots and lots of them. Um, and we want to be able to provide that to everybody, regardless of what their needs are for their particular ranch. We want to be able to provide seed stock that will allow them to reach their goals quicker. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about who. Ideal customer is an interesting word in agriculture because we don't really use that, right? We use it in every other industry. But who kind of is your guys' ideal customer? I mean, what does what do your bulls bring to the table and what matches work well um, for a commercial herd to come in and look at the bulls you guys have offered? So I think our bulls do a pretty good job of providing calves that are are a small birth weight and then grow fast. We've been working on that. I mean, we started in 2007. So um, I've only been really part of this for three years, but that's really kind of the goal is to, uh, to get something that's fast growing and also a little calmer. Like we had livestock growing up that they would provide great offspring, but they would be completely insane and hard to work with. And my father would get rid of them every time. He's like, I don't care how well they produce. I want something that we can work with, something that's not going to destroy equipment. It's not going to, it's not going to harm cowboys. It, you know, it's not going to make a process that should take two minutes, two hours, those kind of things. So we've got a lot of calves that that are pretty calm just in, in nature. And, and a little bit of that is, is nature and nurture, but but part of it is they both come from calm stock. And so that makes the herd easier to work with. If you're running a, a feedlot or you're running a large commercial operation, uh, you don't want something that's going to be tearing down fences and running into trucks and running over staff. You want stock that is, is really going to just slide right in, do what they need to do, uh, grow the herd in an appropriate manner, and at the end of the day, make you more money. I think that's so important. And I think focusing on cattle that can be handled, as we see this generation of ranchers getting older, this is more and more important. And I actually just was reminded, my dad will probably kill me that I'm saying something about this, but my dad was in the bud box and the steer actually got him down, you know, and my dad's in his sixties and this happened a week ago. And today we're loading cattle and he's like, man, I'm sore. It's just a reminder, you know, that as the average age of that rancher increases, the need that they can be safe and they can work the stock that they have, whether it be by themselves or with their grandchildren, I think that's more and more important every single year and something we should all be pretty cautious of. Give me your opinion on this, because we know that the, that the average rancher age is, is older than it was. Do you think in the next 25 years, do you think that that age is going to come down? Does it seem like there's there's younger ranchers getting into the business more now than there has been in the past couple of decades? Yes, 
I do think that we will see that. But what I also see is ranchers holding on longer. So I don't know if the decision maker, the one who signs the checkbook, if that age is actually going to go down much. Okay. Because I think that with the price of land and the price of lumber and the price of, you know, all these inputs that they're ranching longer because that's their retirement. And so the next generation might be back at the operation, but I'm not sure that they would be considered the owner until they're in their fifties or sixties. Interesting. All right. And they're, you know, their dad or uncle is in their, 70s 80s something to that nature and that's finally when they feel like okay i can cut loose i have enough you know i was able to pass it down successfully we see a lot of ranches where the succession plan starts the day that that the generation dies yeah and there's no plan until there's a funeral and that is a huge issue we know that The other thing that I hope if I make one impact in this next generation, so I'm in my late 20s, I am hoping that my generation is not going to rely on our kids to pay our retirement. If I can do one thing in agriculture, that's my goal. Because it has been tradition that the land was the retirement. And I think we have to change that. I think we have to put money away and I think we have to be able to hand it over to the kids and say, it's sink or swim now. If this yeah. business is yours, you don't need to write me a monthly check. Yeah, that I hope you make that happen. I think that's great. Great. Well, we have a lot of next generation producers. We have some people who listen, some listeners who are fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth generation on their wow. family operation. Um, as well as some people who are first generation or who are looking to get into agriculture, if you could give them one piece of advice that kind of crosses all of that board, what is that one piece of advice you'd give someone? Be a lifelong learner. When you're a lifelong learner, it is going to make your decisions easier when you have more data to look at and you could be learning from anywhere. I mean, you can be reading the Farm Journal. You can be, uh, you know, reading articles on on the ranching subreddit. Wherever you get your information, uh, get it from a lot of places. Like we're we try to be forward focused all the time, and and we're trying to be lifelong learners. You know, so that's why we belong to like the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. They help us understand some of the local issues and the politics, and they keep us abreast of what's coming and what we need to to be thinking about and and what lawmakers we need to talk to uh, to make sure that we have something that we can hand over to our children. We also belong to like uh, the Angus Association because that's and the Angus University. That gives us the opportunity to to learn some breed-specific things to make our operation better. So we're learning from that as well. We also belong to Cattlemen's U. If you don't belong to Cattlemen's U, here's your free plug. You should belong to Cattlemen's U. It's great. I just watched uh, last week, like all the all the sessions on farm to table. The the lady from Nebraska and the lady from Salt River Ranch. Um, that stuff was great. I mean, I have like a, a page full of handwritten notes, which 
Uh, my kids make fun of me. They're like, you are a, a librarian technology teacher. You still take handwritten notes. You have a phone. But they make fun of me for that. But it's it's good stuff. So dive into that. Find as, as many avenues to learn as you possibly can and be that lifelong learner. It's going to make you exponentially more successful. Well, thank you for the plug for Cattleman U. But I 100% <laughs> agree with you because what I found is that hunger and the amount of learning that we have at our fingertips is crazy. The quote that I recently heard by Lewis Howes is, your comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. Always be learning, always be growing, and always be willing to get uncomfortable. I think that you have to learn something every single day. I'm a big believer in the 1% rule. I don't know if you guys talk about this on your operation, but Every day you have the decision to change the game 1%. 1% doesn't matter much, but 10 days of 1% matters a lot. Yeah. And so always be learning. We listen to podcasts and books and audiobooks and webinars. And that's just something I'm a huge believer in. And I think the more you learn, the hungrier you get. Absolutely. And you have to take the time to do it. And so you have to identify when you can do it. I mean, obviously, when you're you're in the truck, uh, and, and you can throw on that podcast and listen to something, or if it's, you know, a 1000 degrees outside, or it's, you know, super below zero, those days that you're like, I need to be inside for everybody's health. Those are the days where you can dig into stuff and, and really learn taking that time, just finding that time and being effective with that and not just Sometimes you need to just kick your shoes off, kick your boots off and, and lay back in the chair, but make sure that the, the farm journal is not too far away. You can, you can catch up and learn a little bit. You are correct. People always ask me, you know, how'd you grow your business so fast? And I said, well, for the first four years, I didn't turn the radio on. If I was in a moving vehicle, I had a podcast, I had an audiobook, I had some type of presentation plane. And even if I wasn't in the mindset to listen, I'd re-listen the next day. But I had something going all of the time. And I implemented those strategies that I learned. But I said, I can't listen to the radio and learn. And so the radio had to go. Yeah, it's choosing what's most important and and where you're going to spend your time because time's a commodity like everything else. So you got to spend it on the most valuable things that are going to have the greatest outcome. Absolutely. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining. We need technology. We are huge fans of what you guys are doing and and being progressive. And I will include all of your guys' links and information in the show notes. And so people can look you guys up and follow along with your journey. But thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. You're easy to talk to. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and it's a growing process. I mean, we're, we're trying things, we're failing, we're picking up and we're, we're moving forward and, uh, and we're, we're learning all the time. So thank you for having me. And uh, we, we, we're just excited to be part of, of, uh, of what you guys are doing as well. Well, thank you. Folks, by now you're probably well aware of how LivestockMarket.com can help you market cows, pears, bread heifers, and bulls. If you haven't used our online auction platform yet to sell cows, you really should give it a try. It's fast, easy, and affordable. You take the photos and videos yourself, send them in, and choose your auction date. And that's it. The cattle are sold before they ever leave the ranch. But did you know we can also help you market your calf crop too? 
At just a dollar a head, it's the most cost-effective way to sell your calves. And with on-staff order buyers soliciting bids for your cattle, they're sure to bring top dollar. Designate them for immediate delivery or set a forward-contracted delivery date, whatever suits your needs. If you've never sold calves on an online auction before and you have questions, we have cattle marketing reps that will help you negotiate all the scary stuff, estimating base weights, slides, weight stops, all that. We'd love to help you out. Give us a call today at 844 775-4762 or look us up online at livestockmarket.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.